0: Welcome to the AEW Dynamite review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hampler and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Dynamite but also AEW Rampage. Uh, Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0, oh! pay-per-views, or premium live events, what they're bloody called now. We have interviews, round table discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody quiz, of course, on culture. As I said, they're joined by Hampton and Sidgwick to review the first AEW Dynamite on TBS. And it was a memorable one. It certainly was very memorable. Um, my succinct summary on the quality,
2: it was like a 10 in a generous seven spliced together, yes. quite awkwardly. I've developed an analogy. Would you like to hear my analogy? Absolutely, always. Okay, AEW in twenty twenty one slash twenty twenty two post all out twenty twenty one. It's Spotify Premium. I'm working on the theory that we're all kind of spoiled by an overload of things that are great that are immediately accessible. Because if you were to talk about this show, having not seen it, you think, "What's your problem? You've got." <laughs> Undisputed Era feuding with the elite. Jesus Christ, imagine that in October 2019. I'll see him punk's back and he's having the dream feud with MGF mm-hmm. and it's awesome. Uh, um, Brian Danielson's working blood-stained, double juice, <laughs> four and three quarter star, five-star classics. And this show wasn't particularly great. <laughs> it's, I think to a degree, we have in fact been spoiled. Maybe it's not necessarily the best strategy to just overwhelm the show with stars. They don't not feel like stars. But at the same time, there's so many of them that certain things, I think I have to take a step back and appreciate just how great those things are. But at the same time, it's quite difficult to do that when everything's awesome and everything. I could have, you know, Beatles, Smiths, Joy Division. Stuff I used to pay 17 quid for an HMV. And it's like, oh, it's just on Spotify Premium. It's just a weird element to it that I would like to put it over yeah. at the same time thinking, eh. Well, you know,
1: that's great what, that all this is happening, but you know. It also extends to playlists, doesn't it? Because you don't even need to like suffer through track eight that you weren't so keen on to get to track nine that you actually quite like. And the album really finds itself towards the end again. You just make the playlist instead. Yes. That's happening with the wrestling too. You'll go back and watch the bits you want to watch or you'll really latch on to the things you love and then start to quietly discard the things you can't be arsed with. What's That's happening fa- over two hours on a dynamite now.
0: What's your favourite weekly show? It's gonna have to be the best of, of AEW. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right, let's go through this show because there's lots to talk about. Um, some some great stuff, some iffy stuff, some fantastic news, some. Well, awful news, which we will get into. We started the show, of course, though, uh, as anticipated, with the World Championship rematch, Hangman Page versus Brian Danielson. 60-minute time limit, but if necessary, they had three judges at ringside. They were uh, Paul White, Mark Henry, and the lead singer of Nickelback, uh, who were Jerry Lynn. It's just a callback to some, a very, very random TNA joke from back in the day. That
1: Yeah, Alex Shelley popping the boys like tested with popping Kevin Nash basically and managing to do it in a in a cut that they kept on air.
0: I'd love it. It's one of my favorite clips. That, but yes, they were the judges sat a ringside, not quite as good as booked by the Dadley boys, but you know we'll take it nonetheless. Uh, early on, um, you could sort of tell quite early on that they weren't going to be going sixty minutes. They they j- shifted the pace of this match. They just sort of flew through everything, and uh, yeah. It was, in my opinion, probably to the benefit of this match. Uh, some people say have said that they preferred the first match. Uh, the more I talk about this, I said this when I came in this morning. to The more I talk about this, the more I'm leaning towards actually. I think I prefer this match. I, I, I sort of enjoyed it. Then looking back, I was like, did I prefer the first one because it was? Eh, but then you didn't get a finish. You got a finish, obviously. But you, did you did you get a finish? And then I went through my notes again. And I was like, oh yeah, that was really good, and that was really good, and that was, so well. Anyway, I'll get into it and get your two thoughts. So straight away, um, immediately, of course, Brian Danielson because Hangman Page is desperate to get his hands on him because he was effectively three seconds away from pinning him the last time. Danielson stalls, goes to the outside, does jumping jacks, does jumping jacks next to the judges whilst pointing out, I'm so bloody good, I'm doing jumping jacks in the middle of a title match. Uh, But Page eventually gets his hands on him, uh, hits a suicide dive, um, misses the uh, Orihara moonsault, but recovers, power bombs Danielson right onto the edge of the ring. He's already just... Just flying around the place and desperate to, to finish Danielson off early. Teases the bookshot lariat, uh, but Danielson rolls to the floor. But he's in trouble. And uh, Page realises that. Goes for a dive. Psych! He's not in trouble whatsoever. One of my favourite spots early on. Just immediately hoys Hangman Page straight into the barricade. Goes after the champion. Targets his arm, targets his shoulder. Akin to what he did in the first match. He's trying to weaken that bookshot Larry. Eventually, Page fights back, uh, gets in control, but then Danielson goes for a tope suicider. Page catches him, tosses him onto the floor, um, but uh, then Danielson counters running offense, including a drop toe hold into the steel steps, which, of course, busts Page wide open. Danielson, uh, ground and pound. He's targeting this as we're in, I think, a break quite early on. Uh, Continues the ground and pound, goes to the cross arm breaker, but Page powers out of it and hits a Death Valley driver. then suplex each other, To the floor, Page gets sent into the post again. Uh, Danielson tries to do that thing where he wraps his arms uh, around uh, the ring post and pulls him into it, but uh, Page counters that, sends Danielson into the post, and subsequent to that, Danielson comes up. Oh, I see you've got a little bit of uh, colour there, Hangman Page. Here's how you really get colour. Jesus, he's just busted wide open, coated in claret. They subsequently fight on the top rope. Uh, Page hit this bonkers moonsault power slam thing for a, a two count. Uh, they're out on the floor page. hits a dead eye calls for the bookshot, but as he goes for it, Danielson, uh, I suppose, Carter Omega esque collapses as page goes for it. Um, Page comes in. Danielson suddenly catches him in in, in a cradle, uh, then transitions into the Labell lock. But the champion powers out, sends Danielson into the ropes and hits. Uh, sends Danielson, sorry, over the ropes and then hits the uh, Orihara Moonsault. Uh, but Danielson dodges the bookshot and hits him the, with the Busaiku knee for a near fall. They have a headbutt battle, um, which I'm sure, as Sige pointed out to me in the office, Meltzer will have his thoughts on uh, later on this week. Jesus. It's uh, Danielson. Of course, he's going to be safe. Uh, he hits a high kick. He go. Uh, Page wants the dead eye, but Danielson turns it into a gotch-style pile driver for a near fall. Uh, he does the old grabbing at the wrist and stomping his head in, goes to the knee again, but Page reverses it into a pop-up powerbomb. Uh, I love this spot. It was... It reminded me of some of my favorite MMA fights. It looks like Page has got him. He's hit this pop-up powerbomb, and he goes over to Danielson, who suddenly just springs out of it and catches him in a triangle choke. Uh, Page powers out of it, though, forces Danielson to to basically transition into a knee bar. He gets back control, Page, though. Rabbit punches, release, backdrop suplex. He finally hits the buckshot. One, two, three. In like half the time it took last time, he has hit the bookshot, Lariat. He has got the pinfall victory. And Michael Sidgwick, he retains the AEW World Championship.
2: This match was absolutely phenomenal. I'm back and forth on which one I preferred. And I realized both matches complemented one another absolutely brilliantly. Mm. And what a pair of matches. Like What a great sequel this was. Um, I want to shout out a few spots that I adored before I'm just going to give you the easiest cop-out take of all time. I loved, not only did it inform uh, early part of the story but when page did the suicide dive right because he wanted to get it done quicker because he really wanted to get it done before the hour didn't trust the old pricks at ringside right (laughs) so that was a great story element in how they both approached the match um individually one really wanted to get it done quickly the other one danielson knew that page wanted to get it done quickly he strategized for that as we called on the podcast yesterday that actual suicide dive reversal don't know if it was conscious or not, or just a nice bit of happenstance. It, ref- it mirrors back to Daniel Bryan's very first NXT match against Chris Jericho, where they did the same spot, only Jericho evaded the suicide dive, and there was that wicked spot that bruised. Almost
1: like got, he almost like guided him into the tail. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: So that was like a callback, I think, to that spot with the idea being little novice dickhead, I did this, <laughs> I learned this 11 years ago, that's how much of a master I am compared to you. Um, the exhaustion spot, I thought, that's great, I've seen it before, and that genius decided to use it as almost a ruse of fane. and he just did the rule of my heart, stop because I thought that could be the finish. Mm. I also thought the bicycle knee could be the finish because it's already f- effectively put away Minoru Suzuki, so all of that was great. My main thought watching this was, I don't have a thought. I'm only remembering this after the fact because I was was so drawn in. The blood, the headbutts, the fact that it felt like such a seamless flow structure of a fight. I just thought, I'm going to have my takes on this later. Usually I quite like to be um, thinking of things I can tweet for the likes. Mm -hmm. Let's face (laughs) it, we all do this. And I thought, I'm not going to do that because I'm just so drawn in to the fight they're having. Another two things I want to mention before I pass over to Hamflip is that there are certain shortcuts wrestlers take to get the crowd on board obviously but to put across the uh, the the notion that they are both individually like indistinguishable in terms of how good they are which you need to do in a champion versus challenger major title fight they do the drop down spot where they're trying to summon this is awesome chance they do the bougie Um, Strike duel Mm -hmm. There was none of that And yet I still got the sense that They were completely inseparable in terms of quality I could not predict the finish whatsoever I did not know who was going to win And they just did them these spots And tried to engineer that tone and that feeling In the most wonderful of Like That suplex duel to the outside Mm. It somehow was so perfectly done But it didn't feel like a perfect bit of choreography Mm. It just felt like a struggle And yet it was perfect And my mind was blown watching that The last thing I want to point out is that me and Murray were talking about um, Okada versus Shingo and Okada versus Osprey in the office. And our general broad take was these matches are very, very great, incredible even. I'm worn out by the structure because you can almost minute for minute see when they're going to dial it up. What reverses Mm -hmm. are going to happen when. It's just, it's all very meticulous Mm -hmm. and how they're laid out to the point where it now feels like a soulless cynical pursuit of we know how to get a star rating yeah, know a checklist, a checklist of tropes duration went to do a reversal etc etc and worn out by that this match felt completely divorced from that kind of structure they went for full emotion and i thought it was incredible as a result and i thought it was a pointed response to the very we're gonna have a match of the year kind of the conversation around those three matches and i just thought this one was way better in terms of how it made us feel how they structured it the actual purpose of what pro wrestling is they didn't go for a intellectual how to get a great match they just put one on and they disguised the fact that this was so elegantly crafted because it really truly felt like a fight they did not at any point
1: feel like they were chasing a star rating here and that was my favorite thing about it it's funny that you say intellectual arrangement because the exact word i had to describe this was thoughtful i thought the way this was structured was so thoughtful but you didn't think that not once yes yeah like in the moment i'm just feeling the experience of the match but then on reflecting back or watching bits back you just i'm constantly reminded of bits where i thought god they've put some thought and care into this um the use of the judges could have like the judges could have been a bit of a disappointment but obviously you were drawn at the match and then you forgot and then brian danielson does something like a cradle pile driver and shoots a glare at jerry lynn huh 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 and you just Brilliant. Like, great. You have added value yeah. to something that could have scanned as a little bit lazy. So, absolutely inspired. Like, the jumping jack's the same. Hang on page, mocking the jumping jack's getting the pop it deserved. Because yeah. like, that is absolutely something that warranted a pop. Um, this wasn't just a sequel to an awesome one-hour match. I think I did prefer the one-hour match more, but that's not to take away from this one. Um, this was The Night that we forecast the moment Brian started winning all his matches with different finishers because we got them all here. Hangman Page's selling of the arm in the first sort of 15 minutes of this was absolutely fantastic. And I think it was Excalibur, it might have been Shivani, on commentary that made a point of like, oh, like Hangman's really struggling with that arm, but he's got so much in his arsenal. And this was what Brian did the last time. If you remember, if you imagine Hangman Page is like one of those little energy meters on the old SmackDown games where you see the body parts, Brian knew. He had to pick apart every single one of those body parts in order to stop the shot. But the only thing he could really get a handle on this time was his arm, and the commentary drew attention to that. Hangman Page bleeding as the baby face that has completed his journey as champion is fantastic because, and he bleeds from his head. He bleeds from the crown. And he was once the man that said he was full head to toe of poison. He's not. He's blood and flesh and bones. And we're seeing that play out now because he's dealt with that part of his life, and I really love that. He um, knew how to get that blood mixed in with the hair, like Ric Flair, which I didn't think Hamran Page was going to be one of those guys, but when he's shaking that hair back and it's all gone crimson, <laughs> fantastic. i got to be honest, right, I was, it was during the first commercial break, so there would have been, what, like 15, 16 minutes in, and a little bit of me was thinking that I'm not as pulled into this as I thought it was going to be. And the reason that was is because I was watching Picture in Picture and there was a Kinder Bueno advert on and it's just my favourite chocolate bar. And I was like, oh, I could murder a Kinder Bueno. And I shouldn't have been getting drawn away from the match to watch this Kinder Bueno advert, right? And then they come back from the break and there's some blood. I have a, I don't want to get too subjective, but I have a sort of strained relationship with blood. The last of McGuinness documentary had quite a profound effect on me, along with WWE's pretty much eradicating of it in terms of how I started to agree with the takes that it is completely needless. I was always the low guy on Cody and Dustin because I was just like, I I just don't feel for blood the way I think I'm supposed to anymore. I did here. Mm. The blood absolutely elevated something here that was going well to something quite epic feeling. They, in my opinion, used blood as a visual signifier that they couldn't possibly have the gas tanks to go 60 because the fuel is literally dripping from their heads. Yes. Like, so I thought like yep. that, that is the way that like, in my opinion, I want to see blood deployed, especially because AEW were too liberal with it. In my opinion, anyway, that's the way that you mm. use blood as a follow up to a yeah. sixty minute match. They physically cannot do it because the thing in their body that helps them do it is no longer there. It is leaked out and it is stained the canvas. Um, Yeah. Really artful, really thoughtful. Um, Just a fitting payoff, not just to Daniel Brian Danielson versus Hangman Page in the Dark Order, but to Brian Danielson's first act in AEW. Day one to this is basically one solid story. I can't wait to see what the like the next chapter is. Absolutely, really, really great. How can it be a
2: story when he hasn't stood opposite the ring with a microphone (laughs) in his hand and wrestled the same guy eight
1: times?
0: (laughs) Well, yeah. To repeat what you said though, I bought more the uh, submission victory, the bell lock. Mm. Uh, than I did the knee. So I think that speaks volumes about what you said there. Uh, Yeah, an absolute classic from from these two. Really enjoyed it. And I I feel like, well, I am obviously going to go back and watch it tonight, and then I'm going to make my decision which I preferred more the first or the second match.
1: The January match of the year contenders, save for Wrestle Kingdom, because it's this massive show, often get lost. If you think about some Royal Rumble undercard classics over the years, they do kind of get lost in the conversation. My gut feeling is this won't. Come December, I think this left enough of an imprint that we will actually still... I mean, maybe that's a... Maybe I'm, like, throwing down the gauntlet to AEW there, but certainly it feels like one that will stick in the mind when we're talking about Match of the Year's at the end of the year.
2: I've got one slight disagreement before we move on, and that is, during the commercial break, because I watched it on Fight, like, Danielson did something funny in the commercial break, like, cruel and funny, but, like, still I popped, which maybe you shouldn't do in a match of this magnitude, but it's in picture-in-picture. In Picture. Mm. You can't do all of your great stuff in picture-in-picture, in Picture, obviously, and Daniel... Uh, Sin. <laughs> nice. Good save. Just create the perfect compromise where he walked Paige over to the judges, started
1: punching him in the face and say,
2: hey, I'm winning. I'm <laughs> going to write that down. I'm winning, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm winning this. Look, I've I'm got blood work. on
0: me, but it's not my blood. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's not my blood. I'm winning. I'm punching him. So, you know,
1: it wasn't even my
0: scar. <laughs> <laughs> write that down. I, I really thought for a split second there when you said, I've got to disagree with you picture and picture. What's your favorite chocolate bar? Because I have to know now. I thought that was what you're going to disagree you, you know on. know what it is. Oh of course galaxy. It's a galaxy chocolate. Come on. What class? Can you guess mine?
1: Oh. It's a very
0: well born. It's a very well born choice. No, it's a good choice that though. Bounty. I like a Bounty.
1: The celebration. Well, is let bounty. me have one. Sorry.
2: I'm looking at you. All right.
0: It is it is a I'll give you a clue. It's a name you could shout that like "Hey!" as a chocolate bar effectively.
1: <laughs> you have your guess because I've got one in the chamber. It's actually related to some we're Does enjoying. he like it because he can say it in a funny voice? <laughs>
2: it's a bit it's of like, a... Yeah. It's, like, it's like it tastes like ass. Force
0: it down, but no, it's a little from Colin A, a little from Colin B. It's a delicious chocolate bar, but also it's got a funny name. Oh man, maybe not then. What chocolate bars have got a funny name? Come on, it's right there, and you'll kick yourselves.
1: I've I've got nothing. I was thinking of Cody doing the. I'm so excited. <laughs> I was gonna say I was gonna say crunchy. I hate crunchies. Yeah, I oh, love a crunchy. I think they're a bit overrated crunchies. Yeah. I'll have one, but I wouldn't choose it. So this we, is like... We've got a lot to talk about. This is like on. you've got 50 pence and you've gone to the shop, this is the one you pick.
0: Probably, yeah. Okay. I don't know. i Million- got- error. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm probably getting changed. Well, I used to get changed if I'm going for it. What colour's that. the packet? It's white, but like colourful as well. Ooh. I'll just put you out in your misery, shall I? And it's a bar. It's not a, well, this is the thing. It's not a bar bar. Yeah, bar it. It it's not a bar bar. It even it's a, it's a few bar. bars.
2: It's a few bars.
0: It's a curly whirly. Oh, <laughs> you wanker. Of course. It's very what on brand.
1: You're, you're a curly whirly.
0: <laughs> anyway.
1: Back to AEW Dynamite. That's on us. Like we, yeah. We're supposed
0: to provide like insights
1: will... and, and analysis in these podcasts, and we failed on that front, not guessing <laughs> the Curly The
0: shouting it at the podcast,
1: that. But in all seriousness, Galaxies, Curly Whirlies and Buenos, to the office, whenever you want. <laughs> whenever you want.
0: No, not now, it's January. We're trying oh to yeah, yeah. Yes. February,
1: February, please. When um, we've all given up. Grapes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Can I surprise you? Grapes.
1: Can I have some grapes? Up for a flan. <laughs> oh, nice yeah, wild rocket. I'm into it at the moment as a snack. Just, just oh. rock it, just because it's got a nice I bit You can tell kick. it's January. Better than climate. lettuce, it's got a bit of a kick in Peppery. It, so.
0: Yeah. The claims said they were going to drop a music video next week, and then we got MJF. Sorry, that
1: is really funny. Calling that your video is going to be viral is pretty funny, like a week in advance.
0: <laughs> and then we got MJF in action against Sean Dean, except we didn't really, because as soon as the bell rang, CM Punk runs out, and obviously MJF hightails it out of there, and Punk just looks at him. Looks at Sean Dean and punches him and hits a GTS, which, of course, gives Sean Dean the DQ victory. I can't think of many of them uh, happening in AEW. Uh, MJF 0-1 for the year. We sort of danced around this topic on the preview yesterday. We didn't quite see this one coming. Mm.
2: but I said he would interfere.
0: Yes. I said that MJF <laughs> would lose. Uh, CM Punk uh, grabs a mic and said, basically, this is going to keep happening every week until MJF finally decides to get in the ring with him. Uh, MJF responds by calling Punk a phony, said, without him, Punk is nothing. He makes Punk relevant. Um, you're not the guy you used to be, he said. You're not the savior, I am. Uh, you seem to think, after these back and forth that we've had, that you're Roddy Piper, but you're not like Roddy Piper because, unlike you, Piper was able to main event WrestleMania. Um, Love that. He said he's shown, if he'd shown more, if he isn't shown any more respect, MJF that is, maybe he'll leave this company and go to the other one, Main Event Mania 2. Punk said all he wanted to do was kick MJF's ass. Uh, and I've written this quote down verbatim because it was such a singer from Punk. If you think the grass is much greener on the other side, be my guest. Go ahead, leave. Main event night four of a buy one, get one free extravaganza and then get released faster than you last in the sack. When you come back, I'll still be here and that ass-kicking will be waiting for you. Wonderful. And he nailed it as well. Um, and MJF gets riled up and riled up and says, You know what? Fine. You want this, you got it. Next week, it's going to be CM Punk versus... Wardlow, <laughs> and Punk says eventually MJF is going to run out of people to hide behind, and he would put MJF to sleep.
2: I love this, because they've spent two plus years curating the sanctity of a ODQ. we don't do disqualifications, with the sports-oriented company, whether people want to admit that or not. Um, and then CM Punk, with that wonderful dickhead twinkle in his eye, decides to just completely break the sanctity of that. And I still love it because it just drives the storyline forward. Because the idea is wins and losses actually matter. It's using a DQ, not as a get out, because putting wrestling on is inconvenient and you're a carny. And Jeff was livid. Like he thought the match, the, the matches he takes are get out, wasn't yeah. He was livid to, to like it's a DQ, mm-hmm. It's the opposite of how it's used to just pummeling submission in WWE it makes the match count great fantastic the line was great the more venom that CM Punk has in him the better and he had a mouthful with that buy one get one free extravaganza because he had to get the gag in he had to get the emotion in he had to rattle through a lot of words make them clear make them feel like he was actually feeling them absolute perfect delivery before I hand over to Hamflip I've worked myself into a fantasy book and shoot here. The very, very, very frequent references to Roddy Piper are becoming noticeable now. The central thread of this feud is that MGF's bluster is a total illusion. He's scared of CM Punk. He's scared that CM Punk's the guy who's going to make it feel like, oh, I'm not that prodigy anymore because I'm not as good as him. He's constantly running away, right? How do you get someone to stop running away from you? Dog collar match at Revolution, possibly following its singles on Dynamite. Total bloodbath. They are total piper marks, the pair of them. They will <laughs> yeah. echo back to Starcade 83. And I think it would be absolutely tremendous and a really fitting end to this heated grudge rivalry. Um, I'm going to tweet that as well because it's great.
0: The Cedric my fans will forgive you.
1: Though. Of course. Fantastic shout because when you suggested that there was a lot of piper all of a sudden, my mind went to, oh, Punk's next gear choices are killed. So I'll <laughs> double, double dog collar instead is, is better. Um, I Really great. I watched this with utter glee and I was so grateful that like part of my job is to get to talk about this. And then I had that moment I did the last time these two had like a classic exchange. I was like, oh, there's nothing I can say that is as good as this. Yeah. Like nothing we have in our locker is as good as the lines that they fire out against. And that's what makes it so great in the first place. It's like, yeah, yeah like you're watching a, a good WWE one and you'll pick up that little thing that they could have done instead, you know, like, and there's so little at any good anyway. This was absolutely majestic, exactly where, it, in terms of the tone and the level of aggression they were showing towards each other, it was exactly where it needed to be in terms of the story they have. They have very much got to the point already that this is not just, there was a sort of flirtatious element to the first exchange, wasn't there? Like, they're kind of meeting, it's as if they'd never crossed past backstage and it was happening finally for the first time. This is not that anymore. We are long past that point. Um, because it's AEW, because I want to continue to, even though I feel like it's being tested a little bit, because I want to continue to love and trust the process, um, I love that it was Sean Dean. Sean Dean is from Chicago, so Sam Punk has kind of had to be a prick to one of his own to make his point. By the way, I loved when Sam Punk instructed MJF to listen to the announcement. He cupped his ear as if to say, like, listen to what I've just done because I don't think you've figured it out yet. Really, really great stuff. Um, Sean Dean is from Chicago, and Sam Punk has had to kind of stick the knife in to get to make his point. I want to believe that one day that won't matter. I don't know if it's going to be in the form of, like, Sidgwick made a point there of, like, maybe the dog collar is a rematch. I think they're going to get to this before revolution. So that is ideal as well. What if, with the pinnacle dealt with, with Wardlow potentially dispatched, what if Sean Dean has one opportunity to be a bit of a prick and it's to help MJF and MJF has spotted that and get in his head just before the match. And it's this most ridiculous of outcomes that MJF gets the win because he's got, like, he's paid off Sean Dean. I remember what that
0: dicker. Me and you, not, we,
1: we were going to have a gentleman's agreement wrestling match. And look what this arsehole came in and did. I just feel paying like... paying him off.
0: He's just giving him a front seat ticket.
1: Yeah, I just feel like yeah. one day that will matter. And that's great because AEW has earned that. As much as they've earned the DQ thing, they've earned that too. Um, love this. A match of the year, a promo of the year, in the first AEW of the year. What, like, what could possibly go wrong on this Dynamite <laughs> after the fact? For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
0: Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be... a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash whatculture. I love that he said that, because I was literally preparing to say, well, this is a 10 out of 10 dynamite, and it's gone. Because <laughs> Chris Jericho comes out next. Um, he says, he's it's great to be back. It's great to be back on, on TBS. Like he's done something with his hair. Um, it's the first time he's been there s- fall. since, <laughs> since uh, April 1999, when he lost to Booker T. Nice little, I think he cheated line. Um... But he says it's mainly good to be back because uh, he's finally recovered after 2.0 hit him in the face with a chair six weeks ago. Would you like to... I'm sure the handful of uh, mega fans will forgive you. Would you like to repeat your take on Twitter?
1: Six weeks to get over an attack from 2.0 in the back. Seven days to get over getting thrown off the Blood and Guts cage. <laughs> Chris Jericho, don't give a sh- about continuity, ever.
0: He, uh, he said last week he didn't come out to save Kingston. He, uh, I'm one of
1: the last guys to not give a sh- about
0: continuity. <laughs> he said he came the last
1: guys to do one of those uh, foley bumps you seen it
0: <laughs> he came out last week to get some revenge on the dipsh baby baby uh, speaking of them uh, here they are outcomes uh, 2.0 matt and jeff uh and uh lee says uh, welcome back Jeff goes oh, here they are, terrence and philip and <laughs> to be fair one of them, I fairly certain said A about 10 seconds after they, that. T- right. just Matt, sorry, I think it was. Sorry to
1: interrupt here because we're going to get onto Jericho because he's a talking point of this. But the Terrence Phillips, like, they totally played up to that. Two point, I felt really sorry for 2.0 here because they're so good at absorbing yeah. all these insults. This isn't their fault. They make this not a completely disastrous segment. It's just they're not the ones in charge of it. So I want to pay that. In case I forget when we get to the main problem with this, I want to just pay them that compliment now. They were great in this.
0: Yeah. He was like, good to see you back, eh? Uh... Hey Jericho how that? chair taste <laughs> wonderful great stuff uh, and Jericho's oh, Jericho's response is <laughs> you've got a square head and he, again he is what's wrong with that just asking for a friend <laughs> he is desperate again we've seen this a few times for it to be like this he thinks that this line's going to land and the crowd are going to not only pop for it but it's going to be them being like we're trying to talk 2.0 uh, but they can't because there's deafening square head chance. Uh, and he says uh, Jeff Parker's got a pinhead, pinhead, square head, square head, pinhead, et cetera, et cetera. But it's just not, people aren't really going for it. And Sergio, I'm sure he's got his own thing he wants to say about this in a second. Um, anyway, in the midst of all this, um, Jericho has decided he wants to get revenge, slides out to the ring, grabs Floyd the bat, back off. But in comes Daniel Garcia. Uh, Eventually, the numbers game catches up to Jericho. They beat him down. Uh, Out comes Santana Ortiz and Eddie Kingston to make the save. Uh, But uh, uh 2.0... slid to the outside, escaped before they can get their hands on them. There's going to be a big street fight on Rampage, but this was a, a real disappointment, and, and as we say, not because of 2.0.
2: Yeah, Chris Jericho needs to turn heel immediately. <laughs> Baby face, crowd rabble-rousing Chris Jericho is so lame. I contend that the MJF stuff, I, went, I think, went very underrated throughout 2021. I thought the two matches they had on Dynamite and All Out uh, the first one was better, but I thought it was a tremendous bit of business, all told, and I think it went a little bit underrated because Chris Jericho gets in his own way a lot. I'm kind at the most than Chris Jericho. I've really tried to take a step back and realize, you know what, he'll do something amazing in two weeks. It's Chris Jericho who's been doing this for years and years and years and years. Every time you think he's a little bit lame, he'll pop your tits off in two weeks. Maybe we need to take a step back and appreciate the whole body of work. <laughs> yeah. He's making it impossible to do that. <laughs> he's making it impossible to do that because his square head, huh? What was the other one? Pencil head? Uh, pinhead. 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 Square head.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. He has to do these
2: little things where he's like, come on, guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to, get <the> cr- <laughs> to get the crowd. To get the crowd. Is this thing on? Turns out you can do impressions. That is a bang on. <laughs> so he does these little things to like, oh, I'm losing them here can't be my fault, <laughs> I'm Chris Jericho, they just need a little bit of conditioning, so he tries to get them up, and it's like the more he tries to get them back, it's lame, I've never felt less for Eddie Kingston, Santana and Ortiz, Daniel Garcia in 2.0, than I do right this second.
1: Mm. Yeah, like we could, as many will, and Twitter does once a week, just spend all of this, all of the critical analysis on this particular segment taking the piss out of Chris Jericho, You know, that he, like, is dead to colour in his own hair on television. Mm -hmm. Bold move, bold, bold move. But, like, ultimately, what this was beyond Chris Jericho being a bit irritating was, like, uh, and this is, right, so this is a wider criticism about the show in general. I'm a little bit worried that AEW is getting a bit thick. Like, it's getting a bit eye-rolly and a bit rubbish. And I don't really want that because when it's amazing, it's everything we've just talked about, right? So this was that. I love the six men that are in the bulk of this feud, and obviously now Chris is part of it, but I love all six of them dearly. Six of my absolute favourites on this roster, in fact. I don't like this feud at all, because AEW aren't trying to make me like it. From what I can remember, Sidrico remind me of forgotten something, the heft of this was that 2.0 were real assholes to Kingston when he was just trying to have a sandwich, and they were particularly cruel about Moxley. And that's how this all, a fight in the, yeah. in the catering area. But fine, there'd been a catering thing with Kingston and food and all that. I thought it was like quite impressive. But then they had matches. And they're just fighting, matches, run-ins, matches, fight. They've given up telling the story at this point. It's just the guys running, they fight there. Like, AEW are way better than this. So even if Jericho has nothing to do with this, and I think he is dragging it down because yeah. this material is lame, but even if he had nothing to do with this, this is just a continuation of fights, run-ins, beatdowns, chase-offs, invisible wall, match. Like, do better. Do better by six of your best, but do better in general. This is an unholy union, now that you
2: mention it. This is an unholy union of Tony Khan's worst, laziest booking trope. Married to Chris Jericho's worst baby face patter, and that's I think why I hate it so much. Yeah,
1: you should just ask uh, Eddie Kingston what they should do instead.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's astonishing that they're really not striking while the iron's hot with Kingston.
1: Like, he didn't as well. Kingston on what was so great about the thing the other week, even if the commentators were telling you, like, why, why, why is Kingston being a bit of a like, because Jericho's an arsehole? That's why Tony, <laughs> but like, he was like screaming, Turn that off about Judas, he didn't want to be part of this sing-long, it's not his world at all. He sort of just accepts it here, doesn't they? Yeah, we got the last word. Well, I'll see you at Rampage. I'll become, I'll become, I'll become. That's not Eddie Kingston. No. Like,
0: don't don't just accept this as part of your lot now. Um, the next segment really tinged with, with the sadness as well because we had a video package recapping uh, Jake Atlas's debut. Uh, brilliant match with Serpentico. Go and check that out on Doc. And uh, he subsequently become All Elite. Uh, and there was a, a backstage promo with Cole O'Reilly uh, Bobby Fish, um, before I talk about that, I should say, uh, we, we don't actually know the extent of, of Jake Atlas's injury that he suffered uh, on AW Rampage during this match. Spoilers, everyone, but you've probably heard about it on social media. Some knee issue, fingers crossed, it's not as bad as first field. I know he's gone for an MRI. We'll keep you updated as, as to when we hear about that. But as I'll be saying again later on uh, in this podcast, we obviously wish him well in his recovery. Um, anyway, the, the Cole promo is there with, with O'Reilly and Fish. And he says, I know, Carl, oh, you didn't mean to kick me in the face. He watched it. Thank <laughs> Christ. Keep yeah. watching, guys. Um, but he says, look, we're, we're the, the band's back together effectively. and uh, And when we team up with the Young Bucks... We're unstoppable. And you just look at Fish and O'Reilly's faces as, as he says that.
2: You and know it, what I loved about this? And I don't even know if they were going for it. The idea of them, of Adam Cole saying the word supergroup out loud. Everyone knows supergroups suck. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a bunch of cokehead rockstar
0: wankers thinking they're better than they are. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Um, anyway, he challenges Jake Atlas to a match. Audio Slave all right, weren't they? For a bit. For a minute. For, I liked them at the for, time. For an album. I liked them at the time, I think. I yeah. went to see McBustard in concert, <laughs> you know. Jesus. Armed with Curly Whirlies.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so yeah. Um, uh, we'll <laughs> um, anyway, because he, he challenges Jake Atlas because he's the, you know, big flagship new sign. He says, well, I'm still the guy everyone's talking about. It's a new year, the same Adam Cole, uh, and he's even going to buy Jake Atlas a one-way ticket back to Orlando. What
2: sucks so bad about the knee injury was it was another excuse to bury NXT? Because if they had (laughs) Jake Atlas giving it his absolutely awesome best against Adam Cole, they could have done more with Jake Atlas in one match than NXT did in what a year, year and a bit. Yeah, Mm. Ah, that's a shame. Obviously, like I'm gutted for Atlas, I'm a huge, huge
0: proponent of his best finisher in all of wrestling. Ah, Way up there, way up
2: there, way up there. Um, yeah,
0: what a goddamn shame. Uh, let's cheer ourselves up by having Wardlow wreck a dude. That came next. He faced uh, Antonio Zambrano. Uh, and before the match, the referee's just checking Wardlow over. He's not taking the referee. He's just doing the old, you know, checks that you often see that them do. And Sean Spears, this is going to become the Sean Spears appreciation Society at you very soon, runs around the outside and hits Zambrano with a C4. <laughs> and chugs him back in and be like, ring the bell. I got him, baby. Um, but... Instead of Wardlow just following his instructions maybe hitting zero or even maybe just one power bomb for the victory, there's a just a cavalcade of them. I think five in total. And Wardlow puts his foot on the chest and pins him. My God, I love Wardlow!
1: Fantastic. Um, continues to be great. They are telling the same story. They are delivering the same setup and punchline every week, but it's a hit and it works. So they just all they all they need to do is increase it ever so slightly. The thing we specifically asked for in the preview, we got that idea that like the shark pulls you back into the water. To use this analogy that wrestling seems to love these yeah. days, um, deep waters. Yeah, we fi- we finally got that with the the uh, powerbomb symphony. Sean Spears doing yet yeah, like more and more damage than he's ever done. As you say, like that move on the floor is, like, more effective than a chair shot, isn't it? In terms of, like, come on, just, just do this, just do this. The dissension grows very obviously, but in a way that Sean Spears can do nothing about it because Wardle will absolutely wreck him. So you can believe that, like, Sean Spears is getting frustrated, but what's he going to do about it? Because MJF's not going to help him. So he's like, well, I'm kind of stuck with this now. Like, this job that I thought was quite a fun one is actually proving to be a bit more difficult. And all of this in the, like, them not once trying to heal Wardlow ahead of the CM Punk match. I thought it was pretty bold as well. I don't expect it to go the way the Eddie Kingston match. I don't think the fans will be particularly with Wardlow, but I was glad they were brave enough to just continue the babyface story, knowing that they had that match for next week.
0: Far better record than MJF as well now. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) What I love about this, because I do agree with,
2: uh, I do share some of Hamlet's concerns about the booking and how it can get lazy and tropey. This storyline is removed entirely from the one we've literally just covered. And it fills me with a little bit of confidence that there are priorities. Ward push pushes a priority, so they're putting loads of deep thought into this. Whereas Chris Jericho's latest dick about, I oh, just do whatever because it's Jericho, he's going to be over. Don't put that much thought into it. I would like to think it's not plot losing stuff, but rather a little bit of laziness, which I can sort of forgive to a degree. What I love about this is there's that famous tweet of when they just debuted Punk, Danielson and Cole within, like, what, a month of one another. And some genius, some Einstein said, well, they just rely on pops, don't they? Not only is that, like, (laughs) the most ultimate WWE brainworms thing. (laughs) the crowd always pops for this. (laughs) But the idea behind the self-own, if there was a kernel of logic to it, they were saying, well, they'll just get... WWE guys to debut and get a pop, and then it just, it's all going to run out because there's only so many WWE guys. If you had have said to that guy at the time, oh, you know, good try, but Sean Spears, at some point in the first quarter of 2022, is going to get power bombed, and the roof's going to come off a building, and that's going to be a pop. That underscores the power
1: of the real process, and this storyline deepens my trust in it. One more thing on this as well. So this week it was five as you say, and they're, mm-hmm. they're increasing the number. of will kind of do as many as he wants. Previously, it had been like two, and then he gives a third one because the fans want it, whatever. Um, I believe they're not set on a number because Sean Spears is going to take 10. Oh, 10, 10, yes. 10. Like, the fans are going to be begging for 10, doing the old That's title. That's right. incredible to to shout. And if you want to go further with that... sweet tweet that, the handful of fans will forgive you. <laughs> if you want to go further with that, maybe MJ... All right. Maybe MJF... <laughs> keeps referencing the war of 24 because that's how many Wardle is going to give him in that eventual payoff as well. <laughs> uh, but wow. yeah, I think Sean Spades is getting 10 when it happens that's because they're going to generate nice. that exact chant from the
2: fans. And the crowd are really getting up for the one where he rolls the leg over and just grabs yeah, the head. That. Brilliant. Brilliant, that. the
1: crowd are really getting on behind that. That's his Okada wrist control, isn't it? Yeah, It's yeah. magic, man. Uh,
0: we got a video package recapping the budding rivalry between Chris Statlander and Layla Hirsch. And God bless the United States.
1: Just good, by the way. Um, the Jake Atlas and this is addressing that complaint that I had
0: no idea what was going on. So,
1: like, oh, stuff actually happens on dark, and the fact that I think it was like the the Christmas Dynamite featured if you included video packages, dark highlights, and other things like that. Uh, five women's angles. So, the fact there was only one match was offset by the fact that, oh, well, at least I know what like is happening in five separate feuds. This is a big, like, a big, big fan of this. If you're going to have that third hour and be able to free up some bitter dynamite. It should be for this. Yeah.
0: Uh, then we got the TPS uh, Championship Final. Jade Cargill versus Ruby Soho to crown the inaugural champion. Happy with the result of this, uh, as, as I've called from the beginning. Uh, never been wrong. Um, uh, but... <laughs> God, I dreaded today for this. But not a great match, let's be perfectly honest. I'll run through it. That's no, no, rubbish. I'll we'll get your thoughts on it. Um, I thing shocked. Um so. Jade Cargill... Uh, power game. Obviously, that's the, the story here. But Soho is the, the more experienced professional uh, and tries to sort of outsmart. She baits her out to the floor. She hits a soccer kick, a missile drop kick. Uh, but as they get him back in, Jade takes advantage. Uh, diving axe handle um, knocks her down. She spills out to the floor. As referee's checking on her. Jade Cargill's just, you know, taunting the crowd, etc. Uh, and as Ruby Soho is being checked on, out comes Mercedes Martinez, um, potentially to jumper or just to you know, bad her or whatever. Before You can do anything like that, though. Thunder Rosa attacks Mercedes Martinez and they fight to the back. Um, Cargill goes after Soho's shoulder uh, immediately after that. But Soho makes a comeback, kicks, uh, an STO gets a, a two count. Um, but then Cargill hits a shoulder breaker and that wonderful pump kick for a two count as well. Um, back and forth. Soho managed to hit a Saito suplex for a near fall. Sterling's obviously getting involved, Mark Mark Sterling. Uh, He's distracting the official, but he gets chucked out of ringside for doing all that. Uh, Jade goes for jaded her finisher, but Soho counters into a cradle for a nice uh, surprise near fall. She hits that kick. No future, I believe it's called, for a two-hand. But then... um, Jade Cargill, uh, they're, they're, they're fighting on the turnbuckle. Uh, she's on the middle rope, and she eventually, after a, a lot of messing about, basically lifts her up. Avalanche jaded off the middle rope. For the victory, one, two, three. Jade Cargill is your TBS champion. Um, lovely shot of her child, I assume, in the crowd. Uh, lovely photo, in fact, on social media of her celebrating on the ramp with the title and her child. Uh, she is the inaugural champion. The right decision... For me, disregarding all the bollocks. We're not going to talk about it again with, with all the Tony Listen Khan tweets. Listen
2: to the preview stu- if you
0: want our uh, mm, yeah. takes yeah, on the whole thing. All the stupid New Year's Eve Tony Khan tweet. I put all that to one side. I think this was the right decision from day one. But a lot of people have said as much as it's great that she's become champion and the right thing, kind of a demonstration of her greenness a little bit here, Sid. Yeah,
2: I mean, they're trying to be nice because it's the nice thing to do, but this was terrible. This was one of the worst Dynamite matches ever. If we're being Especially because of the stakes and the yeah, platform, yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean, there's probably been worse, but this was pretty, really rotten and bad. There were times when, like that spot, um, I think it was the first jaded to go into like the wheelbarrow, whatever pin attempt yeah. it was. It felt like they were buffering. Felt like really <laughs> struggling to yeah. get. It was not seamless. It didn't feel like she was caught. It felt like she was carefully guided into the position, which completely betrays the entire point of the spot. Um, I felt like if we're gonna be generous, maybe they were apprehensive about what people were gonna talk about in the finish, or maybe Jade Cargill's just not there yet. Maybe Ruby Soho was so bereft of confidence in WWE that she cannot possibly she's been she's spent Years squandered in a system that didn't use the talents, then instantly being asked, Right, well, you were great before, so what you need to do is make loads of people look great. Yes, and you are going to be our four star hand, and just like Jesus, and it just hasn't worked out. The Jade Cargill push, I still think there's a tremendous talent in there somewhere. You cannot blow my tits off with that pumping bicycle kick and not be able to at some point string everything together, but that point is absolutely not now. Like I was just crying for them at the finish, because clearly it was going to be the top rope. I think Cargill seemed to communicate or oh, I'm on setting my feet here, and they improvised a much worse version after like just my immersion had completely gone at yeah. this point. I wasn't taken out of the match. I will say the crowd did get into it by the finish The crowd were behind them, which says something about the story they were trying to tell and the star power of the of the women involved but um. Like Jade Cargill needs a lot of work. People are into her. I think the potential is there, as I've just said. But there were moments when she does the spot where she elbows people. Like her feet are in a weird position. She doesn't look like she's hitting them at all. She needs to eliminate that from her repertoire, or she needs to perfect it. There's, there's a lot of work to be done.
1: Yeah, there were there were a couple of positives. I like. I don't want to labor on the negatives but then I don't want to be accused of bias because we do that on the WB podcasts all the time but the negatives here were so evident in watching the match for anybody that hasn't seen the match what we're talking about here is a series of very like sloppily executed moves or the odd botch or the odd stutter or hesitation all of which contributed to the constant breaking of the immersion it, it wasn't just one thing that then you were allowed to be pulled back in it felt like throughout you were trying to be with them and you weren't and to sort of like, add to Cidric's point there as well, the fans being with the finish, I think like speaks to the like the success of the tournament and of the Jade Cargill push and of the love for Ruby Soho and all that. There are lots of good things that sadly didn't conspire to make one great one. And like, so I've been pretty critical of some of AEW's booking so far. There's more to come, but I want to credit them in that regard because I think they did their best to arrive at the best possible outcome yeah. and the match just could not perform to those expectations. One more bit of praise, and sadly it's not for the match at all. Um, There was a bit of vintage dynamite sheen in this match. And I don't know if it's just because I spent some of my Christmas reading 120,000 very well-constructed words on this era of dynamite. But but I really, really loved the Martinez-Thunder Rosa interaction. And when I say vintage dynamite sheen, I'm talking about run-ins before the music came in. I'm talking about run-ins that weren't necessarily in place for the finish which became an annoying trope in 2021, but just became part of the story. The idea that Mercedes Martinez, we know, is an ally of Jade Cargill and would come out as soon as she could to potentially interfere. Thunder Rosa is a friend to Ruby Soho and is watching closely because she herself wants revenge on Mercedes Martinez. Loved where that was placed. Loved that there was no music. Thunder Rosa sprinted out there. She was like... If this is real, which is how we're supposed to... Anti-Jericho energy. Yeah. uh, We're supposed to receive this as 100% real. And she's watching her friend in a big title match. She's like, there's the arsehole from last week. Like, hold me back. I'm going to get her. And she sprints down. I loved how that played out. I want the tag match. I want the singles payoff between Martinez and Rosa. That is going to rule. Like, that is a match that you don't have to worry about. So really, really appreciated
0: that. It's nothing to do with the match, is it? Yeah, so you I mean, can you can you can picture Thunder Rosa taker esque taping her fists yeah. at the entrance to the babyface. tunnel, going, she comes out and getting what gets involved. I'm stepping in. It's yeah. like she's not coming from the locker room because she's gone. Well, look what happened the last time she was in a, mm-hmm. in a so in like a match.
1: love that, but it, it couldn't salvage what was yeah. uh, like a real sh- a bit of a disaster and a real shame with it. It was a disaster. though.
0: Uh, something you will like came next, though. It was the interview between Jim Ross and Serena Deeb talking all about Hikaru Shida. Um, she said Shida basically got fluke victories. and uh, From now on, it's going to be all about her hurting Shida. She says she's the best wrestler on this roster. She's paid enough dues for the entire locker room. Uh, she said they call her the professor because she's got a PhD in this shiz. Uh, she demanded a match with Sheena next week on Dynamite and she said she's going to take 17 years of anger and frustration out on her majestic.
1: A brilliant promo in what is typically the perfect setting, the, the sit down with Jim Ross, always so much gravitas to these things. What occurs to me with this feud is that AW will will do an AW thing and let programs go on a long time. They earnestly and genuinely don't know the ones that are hitting and the ones that are not. So we have complained on this podcast about feuds that have gone on way too long, about matches that we didn't want rematches for. There's one in particular. They ended on a very bloody high on Rampage. Yes. But a tag match that you particularly were born were just absolutely sick of the combinations. They're just going to do it. They're just going to AEW it. Luckily, this is one that absolutely warrants more and more matches. A, um, A fourth match that I imagine will... Top the third and aim for the lofty heights of the first and the second, um, which I I love the third and I genuinely think it was just where the show it was on was probably where that much suffered. I thought it was some really great work in it, but yeah, AEW is just going to book like this and they won't always know what's hitting and what isn't. This one is absolutely hitting. I'm ready
0: for number four. I love the fact that she turned to Jim Ross, you know, it's it, the archetypal heel and heel performer and babyface announcer, and she turned to him and said. Can you name anyone better me in the locker room? And even he went, no, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> it is time. Open the show with this match. Yes. Yeah.
2: Open the goddamn show with this match. This promo was awesome. It hyped me up for something that I thought I'll happily not watch this again for a while. Uh, which is what a great promo should do: should promote the match, put it on first, man. The crowd are up for it. They've had the Dynamite Sting. Even if they watch an hour and a half of Dark Elevation, it'll up their mood because they're expecting the heightened quality. We know this. We've watched a million openers before. Open the show
1: with this, God damn it, once. How good was David um, Riho on a kickoff with that it's, exact it's same yeah, yeah, exactly. match energy? Yeah.
0: One of my favorite matches last year. Uh, then we got Brian Pillman Jr. versus Malachi Black. Brian Pillman with something around his eyes. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, <laughs> the poison <buzz> juice. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he surprises Black early on, though. He sends him to the floor. Dri- driving do- drop kick. Easy for me to say, uh, but Black regains control during the commercial break. Uh, nails him with a roundhouse kick. Uh, he sets up. Looks like he's going to just battering with a spinning heel kick, but Pillman makes a comeback, hits a jackhammer, gets a two count on it, goes for air Pillman, but something goes horribly wrong, and uh, as he lands back in the ring, he gets up to be hit with Black's spinning heel kick for the victory. Uh, post-match, Black Corners, Pillman and a one-eyed Julia Hart, um, and the Lucha Bros walk out, because they've seen what he can do to people like Pack, um, But before anything can happen, Michael Sidgwick, the lights go out and when they come back on, one of two things has happened. Either the three gentlemen have walked past each other in the dark to swap (laughs) positions or they've teleported. What?
2: Oh, Christ, I don't know. All I do know is that this is another step back for Malachi Black. Uh, Griff Garrison squash was tits. They gave Pillman too much here. Far too much here. It should have just been a exact sort of scenario playing out. I understand why it kinda wasn't because uh was Pillman closer to Julia than Griff Garrison in this trio that's completely underwritten. Oh, you guys got long blonde hair and you've got a different <laughs> style of work to Yeah, you look like the nineties guys. That's what they are. Yeah. There's a the depth to it. So I don't know who's closer to Julia or who's or how close they are or why they should be close. It's just uh, an innocent-looking girl. She looks like a cheerleader put with a jack guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's rubbish. I think I've decided after a while that the Wosley Blondes are rubbish. <laughs> and I get evidence of it most weeks. They gave Pillman Jr. who I... I don't think I ever had stock in Pillman Jr. Like, ever. You know who I thought he was great against? Miro. That match was the, the absolute pinnacle of Pillman Jr.'s career. It's been downhill since there. Um... So I don't think I've ever really purchased stock in Pillman Jr. like I have with the Pillars, with Garcia, with uh, Dante Martin, with uh, Moriarty. Never really bought it with Pillman Jr. Give him too much. Malachi Black didn't look anywhere near as impressive. Yeah, he can teleport. Or he can play mind games. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not into either. Um, no, it's a good apartment. It's rent free. Do
0: you think that the botch was part of the law?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think they were trying to suggest that he had some sinister guess in his eye or something like that. That weird half cell he did of (laughs) of (laughs) Julia
0: getting it, they've like tried to. But Julia also didn't get it, by the way. And she was like, oh, it's
2: kind of a metaphysical injury.
0: (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I I was. That's why he
2: succeeds depth perception because he's caught something in the eye. Yeah, well, yeah, but like. Or just. I love to rip on Pillman junior do doesn't do. (laughs) So maybe it's just a bit of that as well. Brings
1: some of that on, doesn't he? Like, was I the only one pretty disappointed that Julia Hart was just out there with, like, how may I? Rather than, like, if we're going to buy into this bollocks, aren't we supposed to be like she's been transformed by it? Like, she has been transformed into a pirate. (laughs) (laughs) Julia Hart! (laughs) Like, sell me, like, sell a complete disappointment. Like, if you're going to do the Alexa Bliss, oh, transformed by the spooky powers, go, go all in. Like, at least, like, House of Black was starting to, we were all starting to visualize, like, a... The three of them, weren't we? Like, him, Brody King, managed by Julia Hart as this transformed figure, whatever. Um, so, yet again, I think the failure to pull the trigger on the House of Black was the wrong move because we know it's... Like, we know that's where they're going, but get there because this is all really lame.
0: We certainly know that that's where they're going after the main event with the uh, blackout in that as well.
1: Tony Khan, on Main, said that the Matt Hardy teleportation was yeah. one thing one of the things he regrets the most. And that, in their defence, was a, like... Magical sentient thousand year old character in the middle of a pandemic where they were just trying. Well, not even in the middle, at the very start of the pandemic, where they were just thinking, What can we do to make wrestling different? Because Christ, we don't have like the performance center role. So, you, like that was a noble failure, the Matt Hardy thing. This was in front of a live crowd, as you say, that like, even if the story was they've walked past each other in the dark, why? <laughs> like, why are they walking <laughs> past each other in the dark? Like, as well, like. Sadder in retrospect, even that it was like rubbish, I think, but sadder in retrospect because it was built into the tag match that me and Sidwick could bang up for that now we can't have yeah. for a little while because yeah. of the injury. So that's just like, oh, uh, so the air's out with that balloon too. Like, like real nightmarish rubbish this for me. Like, I do not want to see any of this on AW. I don't, I don't tune into Dynamite for it.
0: Yeah, I've, I've gone off Malachi Black for a long time now and I went into this. After what you'd said, because I hadn't seen the the Griff Garrison squad prior to this, I watched it beforehand, thankfully. But I uh, I was like, yeah, um, absolutely fine, with not no Malachi Black. I loved him. Came in Cody's stuff was great, and then it went, uh, kept going. Um, and then I was like, oh yeah, no, I haven't missed anything. No, it's just yes, yeah, same dreadful. Uh, don't don't like it. Don't uh, d- teleportation bollocks. I don't know what it is. Do you know what lo- any anything with law, no, thank you. Do you know it was
1: way more awesome than this? And I've only just thought about this now that this is going to undermine like.
0: Like big
1: stuff, like teleportation or whatever. One of the Go Big Show trailers had a guy like climb up a ladder. Did you see this? Forty feet in the air, right? And there was a big pool, and like Cody and the other judges. Who, by the way, what a payoff that would have been. T Pain's the judge on Go Big Show. What if they have done that with the judges? You got uh, Paul White, Mark Henry, and uh, T Pain, and they've done the I'm on a boat payoff. Would have been yeah. to- <laughs> But like, all right, So like, he's up this forty foot ladder. And they're like, he's not going to jump in that pool for 40 feet in the Because the pool doesn't look that deep, right? And you're thinking, this is the stunt, you know. He's not going to... Ch- no way. And then all the judges are selling it, dramatic music and all that. And then somebody shoots... Fire at him and he has to jump in the water <laughs> because he's that, on yeah. fire. And it's like, what a twist. Like, you're thinking, that's a big jump, mate. Like, that's that's bigger than Chris Jericho's The Blood of God's Don't Do It. And he's like, yeah have to, otherwise, you're going to burn to death. And I was like, so it's like, then Malachi Black comes out and they're like, uh, Toxic Jesus, it's like, mate, get 40 foot in the air and jump on fire, otherwise, I'm just not bothered. <laughs> yeah. Like, that
0: guy's loads cooler. Put him in the house of Black. Oh, dear. Uh, well, you'll be pleased with what came next because you said that uh, uh, as much as everything that they're doing, I want some bill to Riho versus Britt Baker about. <laughs> so what yeah. did we get? Ruby interview. <laughs> it's it's all awesome. They didn't even ask the question. Before he even asked the question. You know, normally they go like, what do you think, so-and-so? And they say, Well, and then they get interrupted. Didn't even get that far. In comes Britt Baker and her mates, uh, and says, Oh, here we go. Second time you fail to win a title. Um, and uh, so her response to her saying, well, you can't win without all your mates there and you can't even beat Riho whatsoever. You're screwed at Battle of the Belts, basically. Big brawl happens. Rio comes out and gets involved. There you go. What, what do you want?
1: I popped so hard at this, right? Sidgwick very specifically requested some story in this particular angle on yesterday's preview. And I'm watching it and they've given us the... Perfect analogy, as you say, the lift the roof off the building, top-down interview but I couldn't believe it. It was like, we know they put it on backstage when they're all doing the warm-ups, when they're all doing the ring stuff. It's probably coming through the loudspeakers, isn't it? They're probably listening to the podcast. It's like, we'll give him what he fucking wants. It's like Vince McMahon. I'll give him a fucking <laughs> like I couldn't believe it was this that was given to this specific angle. Thanks for listening, guys. Listen harder.
2: The fact that Reho, uh, Ruby Soho spoke on Riho's behalf. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ. Just... Let us infer things, this is the company that treats us with intelligence. We are meant to look at certain facial expressions from Wardlow to convey the story, right? Why can't you simply have, and it would be tremendous as well because of the di- dissonance with how diminutive and innocent looking that Riho is. If he starts like to just, in Japanese, get pissed off and do this really angry promo, I wouldn't care that I couldn't understand the actual meaning of the promo. No, sorry, the words of the promo, the dialogue of the promo. (sighs) I would get the meaning through her tone. Uh, I understand that Tanahashi's a great promo. I understand that Pentagon is an awesome promo. WWE got this
0: right. Yeah, it's terrifying. But also, don't even have to do the interview live. You say Rio can't speak English, so we recorded this earlier so so we could subtitle it.
2: Mm -hmm. Or subtitle it. Or get Nakazawa to translate. We've literally just pulled... Three things out of our arse, and they got uh, Ruby Soho to talk for her. Yeah, they didn't even ask a question, did they? No, they
0: didn't even get to a good question.
1: Are they taking the piss out of themselves with this? Well, it's a cell phone if they are. Yeah.
0: Mm. Uh, I'm not going to you know, talk about them now. Obviously, we're going to discuss them in, a, in, a, in a, a bumper preview tomorrow, not just Rampage, but Battle of the beat um, But we also did get a little promo because uh, we've got Hook versus Aaron Solo going down on Rampage tomorrow night. Uh, Hook was at QT school. He didn't do anything but eat chips and stretch people. And Solo says, stretch me if you can. Survive if I let you. I can't kind of, wait. <laughs> Bailey's boyfriend's going to get the kicked out of him.
1: (laughs) Ex-boyfriend. Ex-boyfriend. That little delinquent. (laughs) The idea that he's such a prodigy that he's
2: just decided to be like a bit of the coach. I already know how to do this. I'm just born with it. So I'm just going to eat some crisps and chintz.
1: Do you know what what Hook does backstage? He punches a jukebox and Axon Bronson comes on. (laughs) Like, that's what he does.
0: Right, main event time. Uh, The AEW tag team titles on the line. It's the Lucha Bros versus Jurassic Express. Oh, real mixed emotions uh, about this one for obvious reasons. Uh, Phoenix Jungle Boy started off back and forth. Lucha Sturf. Uh, Phoenix hits him with some kicks. So then comes, uh, in comes Penta and Saurus. They do the glue, 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 glove gimmick uh, with the whole Zero Miedo. And then they t- exchange, exchange some shots. <laughs> <jobs. laughs> almost went a bit of Michael Hayes. I was all glue, glue, glue. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jungle Boy comes in, uh, he fights off both opponents with a brilliant sort of double takeover, Uh, but Phoenix hits him with the tightrope soccer kick to take us into uh, the break when we come back. uh, Luchasaurus is making a comeback against both of the Lucha Bros, but they take him down with simultaneous thrust kicks uh, and Phoenix uh, uses an assisted splash to get a near fall. Jungle Boy uh, vaults over Luchasaurus and hit a diving destroyer on Ray Phoenix. Luchasaurus hitting a Death Valley Driver on Penta. Uh, That gets a two count as well. Phoenix hits a destroyer on Luchasaurus. Penta hits Made in Japan on Jungle Boy. That gets a near fall. Uh, they go to, to, I think, go for their finisher. And this is the point that I referenced earlier where the lights go out and come back up. Nothing's changed, but it's an allusion to what we mentioned earlier with uh, the House of Black, quite possibly. Um, uh, Luchasaurus gets dispatched. Penta hits the Fear Factor pile driver on the apron. They hit that combo Fear Factor. And stunningly, Jungle Boy somehow kicks out. This just fires up Alex Abrahantes, uh, who goes right. Enough of this bollocks. Then, if he's going to kick out, of that grabs the table and just goes, pumps through tables. Basically, uh, Luchasaurus is on the apron. Penta super kicks him. He's doing the whole, holding on to the to the ropes gimmick. Um, Phoenix goes after him, but Luchasaurus ugh, catches him and choke slams him through the table. Um, as you've probably heard or uh, in my you case seen, yeah, I, I didn't see this uh, at the moment because I my focus for some reason was drawn to Luch- cause Luchasaurus because was selling his arm, and I thought, oh god, you know, I wonder why he's selling? Because he didn't need to sell that. He's just hit a choke slam. He doesn't need to sell that. He's been injured. I thought, oh god, I hope he's all right. And then they cut, and there's a trainer there going, yeah, bollocks to that guy. We really need to care about this one. And I rewound it and went. Oh, no. Uh, Ray Phoenix suffering a horrific injury. Once again, just a freak accident. No blame, of course, associated to to Luchasaurus. Uh, Ray Phoenix uh, probably broke... Well, yes, probably. Broken arm. um, Or dislocated elbow. Or dislocated Mm. elbow. I think Uh, it looks like it's a broken arm. um, Just visually...
1: It's one, of, it's one of them, though, isn't it? Stomach D- is David Boost our collective That's David point Boost, this? yeah. <laughs> everyone's always got one. David is like, like, Premier League one, there'll be American football ones for our American listeners, etc. But yeah, there's always one you go to. Oh. Horrible stuff. It's just the ones that they shouldn't go the way. Like, you yeah. even try and do it yourself. You can't even get even a little bit too fucking... Um, <laughs> like,
0: oh, it's gone the whole way. So obviously we wish... wish Ray Phoenix, well, in his recovery, obviously was not involved in the match after that. Um, Jungle Boy and Penta are fighting in the ring. Uh, Jungle Boy actually tries to set up for a kill switch, but Penta counters it. Hits made in Japan, but uh, Jungle Boy, surprise, cradles Penta. One, two, three, Uh, more than deserved for this team. Jurassic Express are your new AEW Tag Team Champions. They celebrate with the belts and uh, all the heel tag teams come out on the ring to sarcastically applaud, I suppose, to show what depth of talent they've got, but also the potential threats going forward for Jungle Boy and uh, uh, Luchasaurus. Uh, I didn't mention, I forgot to mention, Alex Abrahantos, after he set the table, was chased away <laughs> by Christians, and that's probably why uh, he wasn't anywhere to be seen following that. But, yes, congratulations to Jurassic Express, but uh, as I said, a uh, 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 title change tinged with massive disappointment.
2: Yeah, and when you fed us that segue... I feel bad for criticizing the first three minutes of this match because it wasn't as good as the Rampage one. And the biggest downer on a Wednesday night is when Jim Ross pisses and moans, and I agree with him. <laughs> He's like, Get out of the ring. <laughs> <So> I, know, <laughs> I know it's like it's not, it's a tornado match that's really taking the mick with how much of a tornado match it is. And it's not that great a tornado match for mm. the first three or four minutes. Moons of like real hesitation, um, which just broke my immersion. They got me way back into it. Some of the spots. Let's put the spot in spot fest. Some of the spots were absolutely incredible and really nicely arranged, like hopping Jungle Boy up onto the apron just for the sprint and uh, soccer kick. PK. It was awesome Shades spot. of David Boost. <laughs> <laughs> Shades of Julian Dix who kicked his goddamn head off.
1: Um, that's a deep cut for certain listeners. <laughs> if I oh, fall, Julian Dix, what, what, what a penalty on that, lad. Presented Julian Dix because I always got a lot of his stickers. I always had jiggling dick swaps and I was like, I'm sick of him now. Like he was pretty violent and fun to watch for West Ham, but I just had too many of his stickers.
2: I resent football stickers in general because whenever I remember a football sticker, um so like, my mate's dad always used to tell the same joke, you know, when you're like younger and you're like, Oh god, I have to laugh at every fucking time. <laughs> um I oh, was looking for uh, an Ian Dowie. And I couldn't get it. But guess what? Bought some Star Trek stickers and I got six. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really funny the first time. <laughs> I know, oh, Alan. Alan's a great gag. <laughs> oh. <laughs> why? I don't. Oh, it's oh,
1: great. That joke's reborn in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Biggest part of the podcast is this weird niche era <laughs> of English football. I oh, can't wait. American search for Ian Daly really <laughs> shot up. <laughs> yeah, I want to see the Google trend maps from later on.
2: Maybe it's just my delivery. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so when those amazing spots happened, the <sighs> hop onto the apron oh kick like the ridiculous Canadian, the Canadian on Luchasaurus. Yes. We will not really talk about execution of moves. We're trying to be nerds and stories. The execution of Pentacons made in Japan on Jungle Boys, absolutely classy. Looks yeah. like he's broken his goddamn neck. But you didn't have that when you're, this is a Geordie phrase, upper height. You know, when you're like totally just standing and pacing, amped up, like boom, 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 boom. I went, oh, that was great. But I wasn't like totally in the throes yeah. of the of the exhilaration because it was a bit disjointed, a bit sloppy in parts. The injury was absolutely horrible. Like a disgusting thing that happened, totally ruined, frankly, the nice title win that would, couldn't have been. Because you're half thinking, Were well, they meant to do it. Mm. They were. Yeah. If you're going to have a horrible injury at that time, it's right before the finish when you weren't going to do anything in it. And the heel tag team's coming out. Yes, it was meant to happen. What a goddamn shame because 2021 was the year of Jungle Boy. My vivid memories of January 2021 were all alone again because
1: it was like lockdown. Mm -hmm. And they... It was, wor- it was worse because we'd had a bit of a taste of freedom and then yeah. we were, uh, January, February last year was rough. Rough,
2: very very rough but in January of last year they gave him Baldi Mora, Jungle Boy yes! and we all played it for like 72 hours non-stop and it was fabulous and the key detail was oh that means they're going to push him. They've put an invest- a financial investment in Jungle mm-hmm. Boy and they are going to push him this year when crowds return and then they did and he got really over and they've done all of it so beautifully and they finally strapped him up with something and it's Just an unfortunate scene all around. Yeah, God, that was the
1: same time as the Dax match, wasn't it?
0: Yes. That was, like, the 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 Dax match
2: was two or three weeks after the given Baltimore. Yeah.
1: Yeah, your uh, recap really, like, took me on a journey there, and this match did not. (laughs) Like, I, I was, again, like, I'm often... Sidrick said this before, actually, but I, I know I'm. I know I'm more critical of AEW, but you've often said it. I always think of All Out. Your experience of All Out 2020 versus the actual living yes. experience of All Out 2020. <laughs> oh yeah, AEW is so much about a vibe, and it should be like it's so much about a vibe when you're watching the show. And I was on a real downer with this Dynamite, and as a result, that like it's a possibly a very subjective take, but I'm watching this main event expecting something the level of a Rampage. I'm not really getting it, and then they never drag me back in. As good as some of the spots were and as good as some of the... it's like, dangerous. I don't want to say thrilling because I wasn't thrilled, but as dangerous-looking as some of the spots were, I just wasn't captivated by the story, and I never really got there. The injury was, it was a big downer on it, but I would argue, I think... We'll never know because it happened, but I tend to think that this title change, this Jungle Boy, a pillar has won a title. They've canonised the pillars to such an extent that Jungle Boy winning a title should have felt huge under any circumstances. I don't think they'd have got that even with... If Phoenix would just clean bit of health after this match, I still don't think they'd have arrived. I think this, this match would have failed on its own terms. Mm. I don't feel particularly good about saying that, but it, it wasn't right. It, wasn't, it didn't... It turns out it wasn't actually quite the right night to crown one of your pillars. If you compare this to um, Derby winning the TNT title or Sammy Guevara, especially Sammy Guevara beating Miro when he did, sad to see that reign end. But what like a euphoric moment for one of the pillars to ascend. Jungle Boys didn't go that way. Um, they'll get out. I think as well, like the... It wasn't just the feeling of the injury and the matching. Like, injuries can sometimes really feel like they've, like, snake bit quite a lot of stuff, and you're kind of feeling like, oh, this is going to drain some of the blood from the Malachi Black program as well. Maybe not. Maybe Pack just drops, in and you do Pack and Penta versus House of Black as a... Or like Sarebhanses.
0: says. <laughs> Jesus you know.
1: Christ. I just, I don't know, like, yeah, like, a lot of this, like, a, a lot of joy felt drained as a result of the things that went yeah. wrong in this
0: match, and indeed, on this episode of Dynamite. Mm. That's just, I didn't even realise that until you said it, that Punk's got another bullet in the chamber there, hasn't he? Pillar, pillar champion, pillar champion, pillar champion, yeah. MJF. Yeah. So probably Britt Baker takes your place because she's got a championship. Very good. But yeah. Um,
1: and anyway, MJF, why do we always have to talk about sex? But you wouldn't last long in the sack. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, but yeah um, mixed emotions but um, uh, the the highs were very high on this uh, AEW Dynamite so do let us know your thoughts on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE well actually you can follow all three of us you can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Follow Michael Sidgwick at Um, Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. We'll of course be back later on today to discuss the other big news story of the day regarding those WWE releases yet again. Um, and tomorrow we'll be back as I mentioned with a bumper AEW preview, previewing both AEW Rampage and Battle of the Belts. But for now, this has been the AEW Dynamite review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us.